baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC-FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning and we are pleased to be joined by State Consumer Council Ellen Katz, the consumer advocate when it comes to utilities in Connecticut. Good morning to you. Good morning and thank you for having me here and uh, happy Veterans Day to all of our listeners and thank you for your service. State utility regulators have approved new electricity generation rates for Eversource and United Illuminating, the so-called standard offer. What does this mean for consumers come the new year? Well, consumers for the new year are going to unfortunately see rate increases for January 1. They will last for six months. Now, I will say this is this is pretty much typical of what we see. In the winter months, when it's colder, we see electric prices rise and then they tend to go down, although we don't, of course, know what's going to happen in July yet. They tend to go down in the summer months. Um, but, you know, this is a, a rise for Eversource customers from 8.5-ish cents per kilowatt hour to over 10 cents. And for United Illuminating customers, going up approximately 24% from 9-some cents to 11.2 cents per kilowatt hour. You noted this typically happens in the wintertime because there is more of a demand for natural gas because a lot of power plants are fired by natural gas and a lot of folks use natural gas to heat their homes. Correct. And we have seen natural gas prices stay drop and stay low because of uh, developments in technology around Marcellus shale gas. Uh, but we have trouble getting it enough of it into Connecticut in the winter. It's if you can imagine we're trying to get a whole bunch of people to your house for Thanksgiving and everybody's, you know, trying to go up Route 9 uh, instead of using Superhighway. We, we, we have too many, um, we don't have enough big pipes coming into New England. So when everybody turns up their thermostat and it's cold and the lights are on longer, there's just everybody wants natural gas. So the less natural gas there is, the higher the price goes because of demand. And that's the reason, that's one of the major reasons we see this spike in um, in the winter months. But this year, it's, it's particularly high because we had a really cold winter last year. We had a lot of spikes. We saw a lot of shortages of natural gas. And that means that as um, the companies are forecasting what gas is going to cost, they're anticipating the winter will again be volatile and we'll see more high prices. So taking a pause from the high prices for a second, is there anything that the state is doing to help alleviate that bottleneck you described? Well, the the, the pipeline bottleneck, unfortunately, is not something that we can solve on our own because we need to have a, the high, entire New England region pay for natural gas pipeline. And so, you know, we're continuing to advocate for that. But frankly, uh, a lot of our fellow New England states are not particularly interested in doing that right now. Times could change. Um, at the same time, though, we do continue to invest in energy efficiency programs, which can allow people to reduce their electric usage rates. 
Um, and we're also continuing to develop uh, alternative forms of electricity that aren't as reliant on natural gas, including solar. And uh, we're starting to see a little bit more wind in Connecticut. And even uh, so, you know, we're, we're, we're trying a little bit of everything. We're trying to move all the levers. But the big one, the let's build more natural gas pipeline, um, that one's pretty stuck at the moment. Returning to the increases that a lot of consumers are going to see come the new year, this is one component of your electricity bill. It's the generation portion of the bill. There's also the distribution rate, which is something that is charged by United Illuminating and Eversource, and that's what they make their money off of. The generation rate is simply a pass-through for them. That is correct. That is correct. Now, transmission distribution rate, that relates to the cost it takes to deliver the the electricity to your house, the poles and wires, and what we call transmission. Now, remember, the poles and wires aren't just what's here in Connecticut. They come in from other states, and the transmission costs are largely set and regulated at the federal level by the Federal Ener- Energy Regulatory Commission. So there's, there's large elements of the bill that we don't have local control over. Um, and I know folks are concerned about price increases, as, as are we. Um, but to give you a point of comparison, uh, these are the highest generation rates we've seen since the first six months of 2005, where we saw rates that were over 12 cents for Eversource and over 13 cents for United Illuminating. So, you know, we're not panicking, but uh, we're, we're not happy. Um, so we're continuing to try to look at what we can do to make energy more affordable. Most consumers in Connecticut do take that standard offer instead of shopping around, about 7 in 10 or so, correct? That's correct. And when we talk about shopping around, you're talking about, as you mentioned, the generation portion of the bill. So you can go with what the standard offer. That's what we were talking about. And that is available from Eversource or United Illuminating. And uh, as you point out, you're clearly knowledgeable in this area, Aaron. Um, it's a straight pass-through. There's no what we call a markup. You know, they're not making money on it. Uh, or you can choose to what folks, some folks call shopping around. You can get your energy from an electric supplier, and that is an option. Here at the Office of Consumer Council, we have had and continue to have a lot of concerns about um, what we see as really overly aggressive marketing and some potential consumer abuse and fraud in this market. There's a number of investigations going on at Pura. And really, at the end of the day, it's about the money. Are people saving money? And we've been doing, we've been tracking this market and the prices that are charged. And what we find is that the vast majority, the majority of the people in these markets tend to lose money. And for the, like the rolling year of September, 2017 through August, 2018, residential consumers, I'm talking residential consumers who chose a retail supplier paid in aggregate, like put them all together over $38 million more than if that same group of customers had stayed on the standard offer. So if you're going to choose to shop around, make sure, let me, let me just suggest to consumers that they make sure they understand what the standard offer rate is and, and look at your bill right on the front of your bill. And if you get an electronic bill, you can click on it and look at it. You can see what the prices are. Uh, make sure you read your bill every month and understand the rate you're going to be charged and, and what it's going to cost you next month because it does show you what you're supposed to be charged in the next month. It shows you if you overpaid or underpaid with respect to standard service. 
And if you choose to go with a supplier, check the Connecticut Rate Board first. That shows you all the different offers and whether you can uh, save money um, or you might be overpaying because it's it's a price it's a side by side comparison. And that's at the Connecticut Rate Board. You can also call one eight hundred Wise Use and get some help with that too. You always hear from consumer advocates that you should not respond to high pressure sales techniques if someone knocks on the door or calls you on the phone and says, you know, I'm going to save you money. You have to switch right now. You need to take a step back and look at the rate board, correct? Absolutely. Definitely. Do not, first things, if you're a consumer, a residential consumer, don't give out your account number you're with Eversource or United Illuminating over the phone or in person unless you've already decided you want to switch. And don't make those decisions in response to a call or a knock on the door. Take the information, then go to the rate board or call 1-800-WISE-USE because we have unfortunately have seen uh, too many instances of um, representatives of these suppliers saying either they're going to save you money and they're not, misquoting what the standard offer is, telling you it's going to change every month. The standard offer does not change every month. Or even um, pretending to be from Eversource and United Illuminating and tell you they just want the information because they got to check your account or they're associated in some way with your electric supplier. Uh, and so that's why I say take a breath. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Um, and if you make a decision to go that way, Read your bill every single month. Make sure you know what you're paying. Because what I find is when it gets cold and the suppliers tend to raise the rates, people tend to think the first reaction is, it's my fault. You know, oh man, it's cold out. The kids are leaving the lights on. You know, I must have left the door open. And hey, all that can be true. That's the same thing I'd say to myself. <laughs> but a lot of times it can be that your rate went up unexpectedly. It's not that you're using it more. You say read your bill, but there have been some instances in Connecticut where some folks who have third-party suppliers have had the wrong information or outdated information on that bill. And and that's something that everyone has been working together to try to solve, correct? Because it appears on the utility bill, but they're getting that information from the third party. Right, right. And unfortunately, that continues to be a problem, although we're working on it. Uh, if you look at your bill and you're on a supplier, it tells you, what the next month's rate is gonna be. So we're sitting here in November. If you look at your November bill, it's gonna tell you what your rate is gonna be in December. Unfortunately, what we have found is that for a number of consumers, and uh, Senator Len Susiho actually was uh, affected by this, and he's been one of the outspoken people who's brought this attention, given this a lot of attention. So we're here in November, it says your rate's gonna be, let's say it says it's gonna be nine cents in December. You say, all right, I'm gonna stay with that. But then you look in your bill, you get the bill in January. It turns out for December, they've charged you 12 cents. That's called the next cycle rate problem because they're they're not giving you the right information. Um, and that is that is not the fault of Eversource or United Illuminating. They're, they're publishing the information they're given. Uh, but we are working on getting systems in place so that... Um, you can be sure that you can trust your utility bill. It's gonna take it's gonna take several months. It's gonna take probably, you know, nine months before you get the problem straightened out. So if you're gonna go with a supplier, make sure you're not just checking this month's bill, you're checking last month's bill. When you shop around with a third party supplier, the state has capped the termination fees that these companies can charge, but they have come up with new fees in some cases, enrollment or or other 
fees they charge to, you know, maybe make up for that. Yeah, you know, let me start by saying thank you to the Connecticut legislature because we have the strongest consumer protections in the country when it comes to electric suppliers. Uh, but nonetheless, it's a little bit like whack-a-mole. You know, there was a problem with termination fees that were over $100, like if you decided your rate had jacked up quickly and you wanted to get out of it. And so the legislature, and, and you know, we supported this, obviously, capped uh, termination fees at $50. Unfortunately, now we see suppliers, some suppliers having enrollment fees of $50, $100, or whatever. And then also a new thing in the last year has been monthly service charges that you aren't necessarily aware of. So yeah, they're quoting you seven cents, eight cents, nine cents a kilowatt hour, but they're also charging you 10 or 15 bucks additional uh, a month to, for the, for the pleasure of providing you electricity. So all these little fees, you know, it's death by death by a a million fees um, can make what seems like a good deal. uh, Not so much. You're listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to State Consumer Council Ellen Katz. One other note about the generation portion of your bill. If you get your bill and say, wow, this fee is way out of whack, I'm getting overcharged, you can switch quickly back to the standard offer, correct? Yes. The standard offer uh, is what we call a safe harbor. You can switch. If you call up, they have to switch you within 72 hours. So if you look and, you're, and you see, oh my gosh, uh, the supplier mount is going to jack my rate up next month. It's going to be going to 15 cents. And uh, believe me, we've seen 15 cents, 18 cents. We've seen plenty of 20 cents, 20 cents a kilowatt hour. And and just to remind your listeners, um, what we see Eversource going to is 10 cents and United Illuminating going to 11 cents. So 20 cents, you really want to pay double? You do not need to. So when consumers see that, they can call up Eversource or United Illuminating and say, hey, I want to switch back to the standard offer and it'll get you out from under that contract pretty quickly. Shifting gears from electricity to the internet, the battle continues in court as cities and towns fight for the right to install broadband equipment on utility poles. What's at the heart of this fight and why is it so important? Well, this is a fight that I think is is really important to me, but I think it's really important to the whole country because we are at a point where you need to have broadband. We talk about broadband, we're talking about, you know, decent speed internet access in your home. Or at your business. It's equally important. For, you know, can't run a business if you can't run a credit card most of the time. Um, but unfortunately, we haven't really uh, done enough to make sure every single consumer in their home and at their business has access to Internet that's affordable and that's fast enough. Um, there's, you know, there's lots of families who cannot afford Internet access. And there's actually people living in the quiet corners, you know, the more rural parts of Connecticut who don't have access to anything that qualifies as broadband. Uh, And there's also businesses, even in downtown Hartford, that are trying to operate on what is the equivalent of dial-up. Remember that stuff from the 90s where they went like, neat, neat, neat? (laughs) The modem noises. The modem noises. Yeah, that was my poor attempt at it. Um, So, uh, you know, it's been one of the missions of my office and for me personally to make sure we're bringing attention to that issue. You know, we never said to a kid whose parents couldn't afford books. Sorry, you don't get to learn about history or do your math homework. That's what we're saying when we say, go online and do your homework and connect with your teachers and collaborate. But we're not also ensuring that they have internet access in their home and the ability to do that. Um, So that's what this effort is about. And so we have a lot of municipal officials who who agree with us, who are interested in making sure every single member of their community has access to something that's both reliable and fast and affordable. Um, And so 
in Connecticut, we have a unique regulatory asset. No other state has it, which is um, the municipalities have the right to put, um, to use a spot on the utility pole. It's called the municipal gain. They can use that spot for any purpose. And there's a lot of our municipalities who want to use that special spot to start to develop some community broadband networks, probably with third parties. So, you know, bringing new businesses into the state. Uh, and so far, those efforts have been blocked by the Public Utilities Regulatory Authority, obviously with support of our uh, sort of the local companies like Frontier and, and some of the incumbents like Comcast and Charter are, you know, they don't want the, the municipalities to be able to use this this spot on the polls to provide broadband access. And so uh, Pura, Pura sided with the industry, said, nope, this is not something the municipalities can do. Uh, and we are challenging that ruling in court because the law says municipalities can use this spot on the polls for, quote, any purpose. And that's pretty clear to us. So any purpose means any purpose. So stay tuned. That fight continues. And we just filed briefs last week in, in uh, Superior Court in New Britain. So are you waiting for a trial date at this point? There will be hearings, um, and we expect that those will be sometime in early 2019, probably get a decision at some point, maybe spring or summer 2019, uh, and we'll see where it goes from there. Speaking of 2019, the new legislature begins next year. What is on your wish list in terms of consumer advocacy, in terms of utilities? Well, you know, at the top of my wish list is we've had all kinds of commissions and studies uh, done around various energy issues. And I am going to propose that we do some kind of commission or study or create a governor's task force um, or a legislative task force to look at energy affordability in Connecticut. Um, you know, it's no secret. We have some of the highest electric rates in the country. And we hear all the time about the challenges that presents for our consumers and our businesses and our residents. Uh, and, and listen, the state's doing a lot of great work to um, reduce electric rates, but I think we need to look just at that issue and say, all right, why are we here? Is it just because of natural gas or are there other factors? And what can we do to help consumers reduce rates, reduce their energy bills? Because, um, you know, we, we are at a point where it's, you know, I hear from a lot of consumers. I go to public hearings when there's going to be a, an energy, when there's going to be a, a rate increase. And, you know, consumers come out at night, sometimes in their pajamas to say, listen, I can barely afford to keep my lights on. You know, we hear from seniors who live in their houses with flashlights because they can't afford to keep their lights on. And, uh, you know, it creates great concerns about the health and welfare and, and well-being, frankly, of our citizens and our state. So I think it's time we took a good hard look at that. That'll be at the top of my list. Something that goes hand in hand with that is the idea of grid modernization as well. Things are changing. We've heard for years that the electric grid is is antiquated, but now you have people plugging in their cars, putting solar panels on their homes, maybe putting batteries in their homes to store electricity. Things are changing, and I, I suppose that the laws and the regulations need to, to catch up with that. Yeah, and I think that's true. And we are um, involved in a docket before the Public Utilities Regulatory Authority right now that is looking at those very issues. And let's just drill down on uh, electric vehicles for a minute. You know, there's lots of people I know who say, I'll never drive an electric vehicle. However, we have most of the automotive industry planning to phase out the combustion engine. So, And we see the cost of batteries going down. So are we going to have 
what I call an iPhone moment. Are we going to have a moment in the next few years where all of a sudden everybody's going to have an electric vehicle because it won't make sense to do otherwise? What does that mean for the electric grid? So we've seen a, re a general reduction in electric usage over the last decade, you know, steadily goes down or is flat. We see a bump in all of a sudden everybody's using more. Uh, what does that mean? Do we need to build more generation plants, which costs money? Um, or are there other options we can take? On the other hand, are people going to start having uh, solar panels with battery storage so that they can generate electricity during the day and use it at night from their battery and not use what we call central station power all that much? So what does that mean? You know, these are questions we can't really answer, but we need to study and plan, make some contingency plans, I'll call them. But at the same time, we want to make sure we're not trying to do everything at once, which will cause an enormous jump in electric rates. So we got to be, it's got a, what I would call a smart growth electric grid. We talked about electricity. We talked about internet broadband. What other areas does your office cover in terms of utilities? I'm thinking probably phones and natural gas, right? Right. Natural gas and water. Water, it's funny, water is the most emotional issue, probably because it's the only utility that you actually ingest. So um, whenever there's a rate case involving water, we see an enormous uh, public interest in that, which is certainly understandable. So yes, and uh, telecommunications is the other one, and natural gas. There have been efforts recently to come up with a state water plan to, to really map out the, the resources that we have going forward and make sure they're, they're, uh, they're adequate and, and applied and distributed correctly. Is that going well? Yeah, and I'm proud to say that uh, both myself personally and other members of my office were involved in developing the state water plan. Uh, the water plan is sort of a roadmap, and the reason we need it is because water is obviously <laughs> essential to life, right? You can struggle without electricity for a long time. You might be miserable, but you can't live without water for more than three days. And I think between the Flint water crisis and the growing number of droughts, I mean, we had a drought in Connecticut a couple of years ago that was pretty severe. And uh, this, this spring is, excuse me, this fall has certainly filled up all the reservoirs, but we want to make sure we're managing our water wisely and that we are making sure that um, it's there when we need it for future generations. And it's uh, not just, you know, take as much as you need whenever you need it. And, and I'm not suggesting that's what happened, but it's hard to come up with a coordinated strategy. And that's, that's what this attempts to do. Now, there's a lot of things we have to implement, a lot of laws that have to be passed to make the statewide coordination of water usage happen. Uh, and I think those conversations should and will continue at the legislature. Now, generally speaking, if a consumer has a beef with a utility company, where should their first stop be? Should it be your office? Should it be the Public Utilities Regulatory Authority? Should it be the utility itself? The first stop should be call your utility. You know, call, if it's Connecticut Water, call Connecticut Water. If it's Eversource, call Eversource. You know, call your utility and start with them and try to figure out exactly what happened. Uh, if that doesn't work, you know, you've try, tried to do that through a couple tries, and believe me, I know it can be frustrating, you can always try the Public Utilities Regulatory Authorities Consumer Services line, okay? They have a whole unit devoted to helping consumers with problems with their bills, and I can tell you, they are excellent, and they are fierce advocates for consumers, and we love working with them. So that would be your first, that would be the second option. If that doesn't, 
And I don't want to say if that doesn't isn't fruitful because it, it's always fruitful. But, you know, if you have concerns or you think there's some systemic problem, like there's overbilling everybody in your community or something, we are always here to help. We at the Office of Consumer Council, you know, we're, not, we, we're a tiny office. We don't help. We don't necessarily can help everybody with a bill dispute. That's why the public utilities folks have consumer services. But if you can't find someone to help you, call us and we'll do our best to facilitate that. She is State Consumer Counsel Ellen Katz. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thanks so much and hope everyone has a good Sunday. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.